And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Late night Midnight on the interstate I didn't feel so great Welcome back to Straight from the Source. This is Michael Russo. Thanks, as always, for listening. Really, really appreciate it. Um, Really cool guests lined up today. And if you are not an Athletic subscriber, theathletic.com slash straight from the source will get you in for just a dollar a month for six months. A dollar a month for six months. What are you waiting for? Uh, We think the playoffs are around the corner for the Wild. Uh, Lots of cool stories down the stretch. The trade deadline is a week from today, uh, next Monday, March uh, 21st. I'll also be covering the GM's meetings with uh, Pierre Lebrun and Palm Beach later this month. So just a lot of cool stories on the horizon uh, podcast as well. So again, theathletic.com slash straight from the source will get you in for a buck a month. My guest today, Chris Stewart and Pierre-Marc Bouchard, uh, two of uh, the two dozen guests that came in for the Miko Koiva retirement night on uh, Sunday, um, I got to sat to sit down with uh, Chris Stewart at the Hockey Expo, where he was there uh, representing the uh, Minnesota Hockey Camps, which he bought from Chuck Grillo um, about a year ago. And so we talk a lot about that on this podcast. And then Pierre McBouchard, I met up with at the St. Paul Hotel about three hours before um, Miko Koivu was honored. And um, just really, really cool to sit down with Pierre McBouchard again. I haven't seen him since he played for the Wild in 2012-13. He came came to one game, uh, one morning skate at the Bell Center. Um, cannot remember when that would have been. Actually, I know exactly when it would have been. But um, it was the day that I was writing the halfway story between uh, on Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter's contract. And I was late to the morning skate. Um, I even might have skipped the morning skate because I was writing this oral history on the halfway point of the Parisian Suter uh, contract. So that would have been what, you know, uh, I guess seven years after the uh, deal, uh, early January, a couple years ago. 
uh, late December. I can't remember when I was writing it. But um, anyway, he was at the morning skate, and so I missed him then. Um, so I was bummed about that. And, um, you know, he it was just cool to sit down with a guy that, unfortunately, he had all the talent in the world, but but concussions just derailed his career. And so we talk a lot about that with uh, Pierre-Marc Bouchard. Um, he, uh, we talk about Stefan Veyu and his uh, love for ping pong and tennis, why he wore 96, the beef he had with Andrew Burroughs. Um, the spinorama that he uh, developed and, and uh, had here in Minnesota as well. So we talk about that. Jacques Lemaire, obviously the 03 team. Um, and he did, he with um, the two dozen hockey players that were here to, um, and I'll get, I'll get the list actually right now that were here to uh, honor Miko yesterday. Let's see. It was uh, Nicholas Backstrom, uh, Kyle Brodziak, Pierre-Marc Bouchard, uh, Keith Carney, Sean Hill, Richard Park, Mike Rupp, Chris Stewart, Clayton Stoner, Keith Ballard, Ryan Carter, Devin Dudnick, Maddie Hendricks, Darby Hendrickson obviously was there, uh, Mark Parrish, Nate Prosser, Eric Stahl, Thomas Vanek, Wes Walls, um, also former uh, goalie coach Bob Mason, uh, Chuck Fletcher, Doug Risebrow, and Yarmo Kekalainen. Well, uh, B.R. Mark Bouchard led the, let, uh, led the Let's Play Hockey after the ceremonial faceoff that Miko dropped for Jared Spurgeon and Mikhail Granlin, and he said that he found out five minutes before, and that probably was good thing because it, he wasn't nervous doing it where he probably would have and thought about his words and all that stuff so it's kind of cool to see a bunch of familiar faces there um also somebody asked me and i didn't ask him because i didn't see it till after what's your actually you know what it was this person i think it was wild boys asked uh, what's your favorite russo story and i didn't ask the question to bouchard because i figured well he probably doesn't have any real russo stories but he reminded me the second we turned out turned off the podcast he looks at me and goes has your typing gotten any better and it reminded me of um i used to just get taunted by bouchard when he was out of the lineup he'd sit in the press box and he'd look down on me and just make fun of my like very fast but hunting and pecking style and then last night in the press box he comes up to do a, a radio interview with tom reed during the second intermission he immediately taps me on the hand and he looks at me and goes hasn't gotten any better so getting taunted by bouchard in the press box is what probably uh the favorite russo story that he definitely would have told he said he wished he told it on the podcast so now i'm not telling it now um as far as chris stewart real fun uh conversation we talk about his brother anthony who i covered in florida as well he's become like a media superstar in in Toronto. He's the busiest man in Toronto. Not only that, but he's got the Stewart hockey camps up there as well. So we talk about that. We talk about how he started the Stewie sprints. We talk about Minnesota hockey camps. Um, we talk about the Hockey Diversity Alliance, uh, the development of Matt Dumba and his voice, not only in the locker room, but in the community. Um, the goal celebration, he reveals what he and Dumba used to do after goal celebrations. Remember, they wouldn't tell it at the time. Um, he's a development guy for the Flyers. We talk about that. We talk about a real f uh, interesting beef that he had with Zenon Kanapka, the former wild player, but back when he played for the Islanders and uh, Chris Stewart played for the Colorado Avalanche, the second game of the season, they got off, uh, they got to, into a fight, the opening uh, face-off, and he tells where that beef started, and it's an unbelievable story that I was actually, thankfully, uh, Jeff Merrick actually told me to ask him about that story to see if it was true, and it was true. So uh, you got to hear that story. So uh, really cool. Um, wild, all right, so... They lose 8 of 10, then they go on a little 2-0-1 streak, uh, blow the game in Columbus, lose in a shootout, at least get the point. Last night, they come home against Nashville Predators, um, play okay, uh, but don't win. And, um, you know, as Dean Evison said after the game, that Nashville just seemed a little more committed than the Wild did, and, and that was probably emblematic by their 29 um, block shots. But look, there are just so many issues in this wild team right now. And I don't know how you just fix it. It's amazing to me 
the way that this team has just um, – we've seen their game deteriorate from being the high-octane, exciting team that we saw in the really up until the All-Star break to what they are now. And what they are now is a bad defensive team with very average goaltending and a and special teams that are just really unacceptable. And this is all stuff that's going to really be problematic down the stretch if they don't repair it. This is all stuff that if they get into the playoffs will cause them to lose quickly in the playoffs. I mean, this is a major, major issue. Um, the goaltending to me is the most um, unstable thing that, that I don't know how you fix it now. Um, look at these numbers. And this was sent to me by Tony Abbott yesterday um, uh, from hockey uh, uh, zone, zone, what is he zone coverage. And, um, and I think he does some work for CCO as well. So who also used to freelance for us in the athletic um, capo Kakinen, um And this is what I wrote in my gamer is that like, he has absolutely failed miserably at, at, really taking advantage of Cam Talbot's recent struggles. And um, as I wrote in the story, he's 0-5-1 in his last six starts with 21 goals against. And we're talking like just not re- not really playing clean hockey right now. Um, last night gives up another back-breaking goal. That's been a common trend for this team um, where, where it just feels like the second they get momentum, as bad as maybe the breakdowns were on other goals in front of Cam Talbot and Capo Kakinen, it's like the second the Wild get any momentum, the other team comes down and they give up a bad goal. And that's what, in my mind, Capo did again yesterday. Really followed the template that happened in the Calgary game where Cam gave up a bad goal on the thir- on the uh, on a backbreaking goal. And we'll talk a, more, a little bit more about that in a second. But here are the numbers that can't, that uh, that uh, that Tony sent me. Um, of the 65 qualifying goalies since the All-Star break, Talbot is 62nd with a minus 10.9 goals saved above expected, and Kakinen 57th with minus 6.15. This is all according to um, Evolving Hockey, who's actually based here locally. Um, and then here's the interesting thing that Tony also threw out there. And and what's interesting to me about this is I remember after um, the Wild uh, had a game in Pittsburgh a couple of years ago, and they had a tough stretch. They played Chicago, then played Pittsburgh, and they really had a tough goaltending outing. Um, and you know, Backstrom seemed to be struggling. Kemper uh, was definitely uh, you know erratic. Uh, he was dealing with injuries, things like this. Um, they go to Buffalo and they acquire Devin Dubnik. And anyway, so he writes that the goalies have a worse save percentage over the last 15 games at five on five, 872 and falling than Backstrom, Kemper, and John Curry had in the 15 games before the team traded for Dubnik. And um, it's interesting here because the trade deadline's a week away. But the problem is, is that you look at the rental market at least, and you do have to wonder like what's out there that's going to be better. I mean, is Mark, you know, I get, I mean, Mark Andre Fleury, yeah, but are you going to, at this point, if you don't think this team is a cup contender, are you going to trade a first round pick for Mark Andre Fleury at 37 years old when he struggled, when last year he was pretty much unseated in the playoffs? I, I don't know. Um, if Miko Koskinen out there, obviously Darcy Kemper is a free agent, but he's not getting traded by Colorado. Um, Thomas Grice, 36 years old. Corpusalo, you know, bad year coming off an injury. Braden Holpe. Not very, you know, again, if Dallas thinks they're going to make the playoffs, they're going to trade them anyway. Um, Martin Jones, Jack Campbell, Halak, David Redich, uh, Rask is retired, Anton Forsberg. I mean, are these guys better than what they have? That's the problem uh, right now. Obviously, Huso's not getting traded. So, you know, I, I just don't know what you do if you're Bill Guerin. 
The only thing I will say to that is I remember when they acquired Devin Dubnik, I remember my reaction was very unimpressive. So, and then he came in and was outstanding. So maybe it's just fresh blood would help the matters here. But look, defensive breakdowns, regardless, and we have seen a ton of them lately, they just need better goaltending. Um, but defensively, they've been terrible too. Um, they've given up 69 goals in their last 15 games. Now that's 4.6 a game. 13 of those are empty netters, which also just tells you how bad their game has been lately. So in the last 10 games that the Wild have pulled their goalie, they've given up 13 empty net goals, including two yesterday. So not good. Power play, brutal. After being so good in January and and up until the All-Star break, absolutely awful right now. Not scoring big goals when they need it. The other night in Columbus, they take a 2-1 lead on Zuccarello's second period goal. Go 0-3 on the power play with the chance to extend the lead to 2 no shots on those three power plays. But their penalty kill is worse. In 17 games since the All-Star break, the Wild have allowed 19 power play goals on 55 chances. That's a 65.4% uh, uh, success rate. So again, they've killed 36 of their last 55. That's unbelievable. Uh, 65.4%. You're not winning games that way. Their goal, their, and and I mentioned that I get back to the Calgary game. If you remember the Calgary game, the Wild um, get this momentum goal. I think it was Felino that scores. 21 seconds later, the, the Calgary comes down and scores a big goal. But the other thing that they f- did in the Calgary game that the Wild did last night too is they took a penalty in the final minute of the second period. It carried over, and the Wild in against Calgary gave up a goal to Tyler Toffoli on the power play. A mid, you know, seconds into the period pretty much destroyed the game last night they do it again they give up a goal um in you know immediately into the third period just incapable of killing penalties right now so i don't know if you're bill Guerin, how you handle this going in the trade deadline you know months ago we all were thinking go get the number one center and that might put you over the top to go play a colorado avalanche team now you look at them and it's like you're a defense you're probably a defenseman or two away because their defensemen have come back to real life here especially their bottom pair you're a goalie maybe away, you're a center away. So even of all these issues, if he wasn't willing to give up top prospects and the first round pick before, you think he's going to do it now. I, I just don't know how you handle this if you're Garen. And that's why I'm not expecting, you know, m- big time moves this week. Now, maybe, um, you know, I, I got to think after what they've had the last couple of years with not having, you know, the pandemic and not having fans really in the building last year for the playoffs other than what was it? 2,500. Um, you know, I'm sure they want the gates, the home gates for the playoffs. So, uh, you know, there is a little pressure there. But, man, this is this is alarming. Um, and, you know, in a lot of ways, at the beginning of the season, this is sort of the team I expected. And then they over, you know, they sort of definitely fooled me. Maybe some, a lot of you. I know some of you on Twitter is like, I knew it. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, I thought this team was a pretty special team um, with something special brewing. And they have absolutely cratered right now and they are not a good team they're not beating bad teams consistently and they're certainly not beating playoff teams i mean their playoff teams their record against playoff teams in the western conference is really really terrible um so uh i i just i don't know i I, it's really uh unbelievably disappointing right now you know they it's not like the last two games against columbus and nashville they played terribly 
but they certainly didn't play well enough to win last night. Um, you know, as Dean said, I thought pretty accurately is that Nashville was just more committed. They were more physical. They got into block, you know, shooting lanes. Uh, Dean brought up the, uh, the, the power play goal that Roman Yossi scored early in the third period and how that was just a, a play that, that Jordan Greenway needed to block. Where on the other end, you know, Luke Cunnan's throwing his body in front of open net chances by Fiala and people like that. So, uh, 29 block shots, um, the Wild, uh, just an aggravating game to try to get stuff done and obviously a disappointing uh, ending to the Miko Koivu night. Um, hopefully everybody watched the Miko Koivu ceremony. It was, um, it was you know, amazing. Uh, you know, I didn't know how he was going to handle it. I figured he'd get emotional. Um, he definitely, you know, bawled. Uh, especially when he saw his jersey at the top of the rafters right before it got up there, a real poignant moment on video where he just breaks down crying and gives his uh, kids a hug. And I think that has a lot to do with a lot of things, um, you know, that, uh, that, you know, probably even go beyond hockey, but it's just a beautiful night to watch Miko, um, you know, celebrated there um, and his number put up to the rafters. Um, again, uh, great speech by Craig Leopold, great speech by uh, Miko Koivu, funny at times as well, uh, thanked his teammates graciously, thanked to uh, obviously Tony DeCosta, which was really neat as well, the fans. At one point, he thanked the National Predators and the camera goes over to the Predators bench and the only one sitting on there was Granlin at the time, which just made for a funny, uh, funny moment. And then Luke Cunning came out there as well to watch the rest of the ceremony. There's just I really need to see now it's over with and now the Wild have to go on and win games. I'm sure they had a hell of a party at Herbie's on the Park afterwards uh, with all those Wild players and um, Yormo in town and Chuck Fletcher and Doug Rice. I talked to Doug for uh, my game story today. Hopefully everybody reads those quotes. Um, Chris Stewart and Pierre-Marc Bouchard, my guests today. But here's a word from one of our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, coming to you from the uh, Hockey Expo here at uh, the, what do we call this, the River Center here. I always, <laughs> I always walk by this place, Stewie, uh, to go in Tax Energy Center, but I actually have rarely ever been in here. And we got Chris Stewart uh, here with Minnesota Hockey Camps. You're now a Minnesota resident, full-time. Yeah, you know. Pretty much full-time. Yeah, pretty much full-time. You know, I, I do travel, you know, pretty uh, pretty often. But, uh, yeah, you know, we uh, we got the house in Edina and, uh, you know, ever since the pandemic begun, uh, you know, we bought the lake house up in uh, Brainerd Lakes area and, you know, that's where we're calling home right now. Yeah, tell tell everybody, I mean, obviously, I've known about Minnesota hockey camps for a long time. Actually, you know, when I first learned, so you got it from the Grillos, right? Grillos, yeah. So um, years and years and years ago, when Northwest Airlines was still around, I get on this connection from Detroit to come back to Minnesota and there's this kid sitting next to me 
And I'm like, oh, where are you going? And he goes, I'm going to Minnesota hockey camps. My grandfather owns the place. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Chuck Grillo? And so that, I mean, this, I, I recently saw that kid recently, a couple years ago, mm-hmm. at a wild game. And he's now like 25. I mean, just to show you <laughs> how long I've been doing it. Yeah. So what made you get into this? And uh, how much, like, how, how big of a passion has it become? No, for sure. You know, uh, you know people like to say... Uh, you know, I bought the Minnesota hockey camps, but, you know, it's the other way around. You know, I saved the Minnesota hockey camps. You know, COVID, uh, like many other small businesses and, you know, family-owned businesses, you know, kind of kind of took them off the map. So that was the same year that I retired, and we, it just kind of happened uh, by accident. The stars aligned. You know, we bought a lake house, which was, uh, you know, 13 minutes from the old from the old campus. And, um, you know, I've known uh, the Grillo family my whole life. Uh, you know, Dean Grillo has, has been one of my agents since... Uh, since 2006, I don't know if people know this, but you know, I was actually their first client ever. So wow, yeah, I was their first client ever. Wayne Simmons was their second. So you know, it all kind of started with us. And whenever we had an under 17 or under 18 or World Junior Camp coming up, you know, they would set us up to Brainerd, Minnesota, and you know, the uh, the schedule was rigorous, but you mm-hmm. know, we, we you'd come out ready for for all those camps. So that was kind of like our. You know, our secret weapon as our tune-up that we'd use in our, you know, throughout our career. And do you still have this, this like you and Anthony have, um, Anthony, your uh, older brother, mm-hmm. um, you still have that camp in Toronto too? Yes. Yep. Yes. That, he, yes, that yes, he also yes, runs yes, on the hockey one. Yes. Yep. Yes. So he's got to be the, uh, as, you, as you've joked, he's got to be the busiest man. He's like a media superstar now. Right. And he's got the, now he's got the hockey camp that he's running right. up there. And he coaches two AAA teams and he has four kids. So yeah. it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't stop. Right. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, how much do you love this? I mean, no, I, I love it. You know, um, you know, I'm very, uh, you know, I'm very proud of the work I've been doing and, uh, you know, t- giving back and, you know, really, really helping these kids is, is something that I take pride of. You know, I, I wouldn't have got to where I was today without help of other people. So, you know, that's that's kind of my life mission is to, you know, help these kids and, in, 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 uh, you know, investing my most valuable asset, which which is my time. So, you know, I love getting up there every day. I'm on the ice probably three to five hours every day running skates and being around camp and, you know, doing security checks at night and see who's trying to sneak out windows because, you know, we're all that age before. And, you know, it's, uh, they, I don't know where they're going. They're in the middle of nowhere. They're, they got to look out for the bears and stuff like that. But, uh, no, it's, uh, you know, it's been a blessing. Yeah. Are there bears up there? They are. You see them? Yeah, they are, yes. <laughs> they, they are. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've always seen, like, black bears around here. Like, they even say in White Bear Lake. Uh, I actually saw one once, but uh, I didn't know that they were just running around the woods up there. Um, it is it is really cool. Like, I, I, I've told you this a gazillion times. Like, I, I've been lucky enough to cover both Stewart brothers. I covered Anthony down in Florida when he was drafted in the mm-hmm. first round in 2003. And obviously got to cover you twice here with the Minnesota Wild. Um, how, do, how do you think that it worked for both of you that you both were able to make it to the highest level of hockey and now post-career being so entrenched in it? No, for sure. You know, uh, you know, people, uh, you know, people like to level, measure, measure the level of success based on, you know, others' interpretations and, and views of you know, what they view for success. But, you know, we were, we were two brothers who, you know, who came from, you know, pretty much, you know, nothing to, to evolve into two NHL players and now fathers and you know you know fellow business owners and you know shout out to Stu on you know becoming in a one of the part of the ownership group with the new Toronto Six and uh, yeah. Toronto the Women's League and uh, you know really uh, just working on you know, opportunities to to really give back. I think uh, that's why we've been so blessed and but so lucky uh, in our career to meet the right people and uh, you know come into the right situation at the right time is 
you know, we really approached it and treated people the right way. And now it's all coming full circle. Yeah. You were obviously extremely valued on a lot of teams, a lot of time, not just for what you did on the mm -hmm. ice and the way you protected players and the way you scored huge goals. I think three hat tricks, 180 goals mm -hmm. in your career. But um, you, the energy you brought mm -hmm. to the locker room, mm -hmm. keeping people loose, joking around, the mm -hmm. Stewie sprint. Mm -hmm. um, is that always been your personality? No, for sure. You know, uh, I don't know if that was my mechanism to keep it light because I knew of the job and the task at hand. And, you know, if you're always thinking about, you know, you got to go out there and fight the toughest guy or, you know, you got to bring or you relied on that physical element, you know, that, that, that could get draining some nights. So especially on top of that with the pressure of winning and, you know, every day and in travel and things like that in the NHL. So, you know, that's that's kind of what I like to do. I'd like to keep it calm in the room and, you know, let the boys know that I'd be ready to go and I'd, I'd be leaned upon when, when the time is called. Yeah. The, um, you know, the, yeah, like you were known for fighting, but I don't know if you loved fighting. Did you love fighting? No, I mean, not love fighting, but I always, you know, when I talk about what I did, you know, any, but probably over NHL, 100 NHL fights in my career and, you know, or never because I didn't like the guy or anything yeah. like that. It was, you know, it was always me stepping up for a teammate or, you know, a big game or, a, or we we're playing a more physical team and I thought I had to set the tone. So, you know, that was that was something that I that I that I took the pride on as a protector of family. You know, I got I got five younger sisters. So, you know, that, that kind of was the kind of a role that I kind of, you know, had since, you know, I've been five, six, seven years old. I, you know, I became the protector of my family. And, right. You know, I, I, I wore that responsibility with the utmost pride. Yeah. And I shouldn't say you were just you were known for your fighting. You were known for a lot more. You were you were a, a prototypical power forward. You scored a lot of goals, um, you know, hat tricks mm -hmm. and and things like that. Shootout goals. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you were you were like sort of the beginning of the really that you needed to be a well-rounded hockey mm -hmm. player if you were going to fight. You couldn't just do, you know, you, there, that 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 type of player is pretty much left the NHL. And I think you knew that you yeah. had to play the game. No, for sure, you had to. Uh you know, we you had to adapt to survive. You know, coming coming into my career as you know, as, as first round pick, top six forward. You know, had twenty eight back to back, and you know, eighteen in the lockout year. So I was definitely relied on more for my physical, maybe my, my my offensive attributes. But you know, as you get older, and you know, and the politics kick in, and you know, you kind of got to get in where you fit in, and mm -hmm. start bringing areas of the game that you know other guys don't bring. And that's how I saw as I maximized my NHL career and. You know, probably got an extra, you know, two, three hundred games out of it because of that. Uh, Stewie's down here, by the way, for the Miko Koivu uh, retirement. This podcast will come out uh, early next week, so it'll be after that. Um, uh, you're one of two dozen players here. Um, wh why did you want to come down from me? Like, what is it about Miko that you respected so much? Like, I got to be at his retirement. No, for sure. You know, for one, he's, you know, he's he's a pillar in Minnesota Wild history. You know, uh the way he, he the way he represented the organization was 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 second to none the uh you know his intensity his demeanor and everyone thought mick was so serious but you know i played with mick and you know we didn't live too far apart from each other so i kind of had a little more uh you know one-on-one -on -one time with them and <laughs> he actually does have a you know, lighter side to him and, yeah. a, and a good sense of humor to him and you know, this this was something that you know I wasn't going to miss for the world. Yeah, the uh, you you still uh, work in development with the Flyers as yes. well on the side yes. as well. Um, how did that all come about, and how much do you think that uh, you know your relation with Chuck Fletcher? He acquired you twice here. Obviously, he no. he has an immense amount of respect for you. How much did that lead you to Philly? Right. Yeah. You know, for you know, guys acquired you twice, signed you twice, and waved you twice. You, you, wouldn't, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you wouldn't have thought that uh, you know we'd have the relationship we had, but. You know, the one thing I pride on Chuck was, uh, you know, he was always honest, you know, you stood and, you know, as a hockey player, yeah. you know, I, I always had the utmost respect yeah. for that. So, you know, when I got sent down in, in, in Philadelphia there, when I got sent down to Lehigh just before the pandemic hit, 
you know, he kind of mentioned that, you know, if I ended up th thinking about retirement, that, you know, they, they would have a position for me on player development. And so you know, I took three months there to kind of to kind of uh, talk to the family and uh, go through all my options. And, you know, I, I thought it was time to uh, to transition here. And, you know, it's it's been a seamless transition. And you know, it's kind of feel like it feels like I haven't stopped playing because we're so involved in the game and we're traveling. And, you know, I just got off a 13 day road trip actually through Ontario, visiting my guys and a guy up in Winnipeg, a guy up in Kingston, a guy in North Dakota. So, you know, I've been just making my rounds and, you know, you know watching my guys play. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Kingston, I got a mm -hmm. question for you, by the way. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, you get to work with Nick Schultz, too. That's yes. got to be fun, yes. right? Yes. Well, he's, a, he's an assistant coach now, so yeah. he's out of our department. But, uh, yeah, me and Schultz, we did work together for the last yeah. two years. Yeah. Yes. Who else is in your department? Any other uh, hockey player yeah, for him? Uh, Chell Samuelson. Okay, he's, yeah. Uh, John Riley and uh, Michael Connell, who uh, helped uh, build the uh, the Stanley Cup games. Yeah, yeah. of course, yeah. that's awesome. So Kingston, uh, I I hear in the yearbook that you might have a black eye. What's that story? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, mean, uh, <laughs> I think that was uh, my first year I went down there. You know, they was they they mentioned no words about it. You know, they were bringing me in to be the fighter. So uh, yeah, I lost I lost my first one. I got I got a free lesson, but. Uh, you know, I got back out there in the second and third and, you know, never stopped coming. And that's uh, that's how I got my shot. <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. So it yeah. came from that fight. Yes, and that's how you're in it. Exactly. Um, another really good question came from Jeff Merrick, which I assume that yeah. he got from your brother. Yeah. Um, tell tell us the story about it. So early in one season, you got into a fight like right off the opening face off with Zenon Kanapka, former yeah. wild player as well. Yeah. But this this story, this fight. And there was like anger in it. Yeah. This did not stem from an actual NHL incident. <laughs> Tell everybody how this all came. Yeah, out. you know we're all retired now, and uh, you know we could talk about it, and uh, it actually comes full circle. But I, you know, I'll tie it in. Uh, you know, there's a there's a tournament in uh, Toronto called the uh, you know it's a money tournament, and there's four or five teams in there. And you know, our, I remember the one year our team we had six first rounders on there, so we were thinking we were going to win it. So we get to the finals and. Uh, you know, Zenon Kanopka comes off the bench and he was going after, he was going after my brother. And, you know, this is back in the day when, you know, my brother wasn't known for his toughness or, or his, or his fisticuff game. So, you know, his little brother came to his rescue and, uh, we got a little dust up and the refs, the refs got, uh, the refs got in there and broke it up. And, you know, he was like, I'm going to see you next year. And I was like, okay, I don't care. I'll, I'll see you next year. But, you know, the next year was in two weeks. <laughs> so, but, uh, uh -huh. you know, I was in the West and it was in the East. So I was thinking, you know, but it's time to see him. It's, it's probably Christmas or maybe I catch him in the new year and, you know, second game of the year. And believe it or not, we're playing the New York Islanders. So, wow. And you're on the abs. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the abs. Yeah. And so this is the second game of the year. And so I'm thinking about it pregame and I get out there for warm ups. I'm like, I wonder, I, you know, I, I wonder if he, if he still remembers, like what's, what's his energy going to be like? So you come out of the gate there and, uh, you know, you go for your first lap and there he is standing on the red line, just facing our end, just barking at me. So I'm like, <laughs> All right, here we go. So, you know, we get off with get off into the uh, end of warm ups and get down to intermission and I go in, tape my wrist and why I'm getting all mentally ready, watch a couple of his fights on YouTube, trying to get the scout report and I'm like, all right, maybe I'll have a couple shifts here to, to get into the game and you know, see what's gonna be going on. No, he's starting, I'm starting. I'm like, oh okay. boy. All right, here we go. And uh yeah, puck drops and uh yeah, we had a pretty spirited pretty spirited fight and I don't know what it was. I think it's because, you know, he's probably a little older than me. I didn't, I don't think he thought that I was going to answer the bell, but, you know, yeah, we had a good fight and yeah, he gave me a smack on the butt and uh, he said, we told me he had the utmost respect for me. And then uh, about two and a half later, two and a half years later, I, I get traded to Buffalo and I walk into the arena and I go into the gym and 
first guy in the bike right there is Zenon Konopka. So, yeah. so now I'm thinking like, oh, oh, is it is it is it still going to be like that? Is the energy going to be like that? But no, it was it was all squashed that day, and uh, we actually became good friends after that, and uh, you know, good friends to today. Yeah, how is he doing? I remember his uh, I remember his rabbit Hoppy yeah. when he played for the Wild <laughs> yeah, Hoppy. Yeah. I got a lot of yeah. mileage out of writing about yeah. Hoppy. Yeah, you know he's uh, you know he's had some injuries and uh, you know some complications post hockey like that. But mm. you know if you know something about him, he's uh, he's not a quitter and he's a fighter and uh, he's hanging in there. Yeah, he's uh, he was a great guy to to cover here. I just I, I love talking mm-hmm. to him. I, I loved always talking to the tough guys. You mm-hmm. know, it was just really really neat mm-hmm. and uh, and. And he was one of those people, like you know, he had the the what was it, the ice wines, yeah, you know, yeah, in the, yeah. like, like ZK, ZK twenty eight, like, yeah, he had the ZK wine going, yeah, <laughs> yeah. unbelievable, quick plug there, <laughs> yeah, absolutely a, a beauty. Uh, so hopefully he's doing well. And wow, fight fight in the NHL starts in a summer hockey beef. Who knew? Um, the, the, the one thing also that, um, you know, Anthony told me about is that you have some great stories uh, working out with T.R. Goodman out mm-hmm. in, uh, in L.A., which a lot of, that was, uh, I don't know if people still do, mm-hmm. but that was back in the day when all the big NHLers mm-hmm. went out to L.A. right before the season and worked out there on the beach. And mm-hmm. yeah, t- t- tell her about that. And I heard there's an Emerson story, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was actually me and Wayne, uh, me and Wayne Simmons. That's the year he was on. He was his draft year. He wasn't even on the draft list. He was out there training with me in Anaheim. And, uh, well, we were training at Muscle Beast, but we were living in Anaheim. So we had to work out at 6 a.m. And, you know, we had to leave at 4.30. It was, it was an hour and a half drive to get there. But, uh, yeah, you know, TR, he was, he, was, he was definitely an interesting cat. Every Saturday we'd have to go to the beach and get to get there before the sun came up because, you know, we do walking lunges till about noon. So it would be nonstop. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, Emerson Needham, you know, we uh, he was the younger guy training there, and uh, Eustace King was our agent, and so me and he asked, he texted us one day and asked us if we could drive Emerson home after a workout. So me and Wayne... So this is when he was with the Ducks, This Emerson. is when he was with the Ducks, mm-hmm. and uh, so it was me and Wayne, and, you know, we had the rental car, and we have no idea where we're going, and <laughs> we, so we're like, okay, well, where do you live? And he's like, well, uh, I live here, but I'm like, well, how do you get there? You go, I, I don't know how to get there. So now we're driving around for literally five hours, like looking for landmarks, <laughs> trying to figure out where this guy lives. And got to the end where Wayne just like want to kick this guy out of the car. Like, we, we, we got to go home, man. We don't know what's going on. Like, you don't know where you live. We don't know where to take you. But finally, we we found the right building and, uh, you know, he tracked down where he lived and we got him home safe. <laughs> That's hilarious. Is he still in the league? I think he is somewhere, right? No, he's, oh, okay. uh, he's coaching a uh, team in the uh, USBHL, the Long Beach shredders okay. where he's uh he's an owner and the coach of okay the team. i remember when he first got in the league i thought he was gonna be a stud like yeah. an absolute star yeah, no and, 60 uh, goals yeah, in the dub yeah. and uh no he could definitely score yeah. some goals yeah. yeah so uh working out with tr goodman mm-hmm. i mean i remember when i covered florida i used to do stories about players on mm-hmm. the panthers going out there all the time mm-hmm. what was it like working out with him and all the stars i mean they had to be just a laundry list of no it was it was it was great you know it was uh you know, he was definitely old school and you know, he tried to get in your head a little bit and, and break you down. And, uh, you know, you, you'd, be, you'd be working out there and then, you know, Mario Lemieux would walk in or yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin or The Rock or Hulk Hogan or, you know, all these guys. And they all knew TR. And, you know, I just remember I just remember sitting there one day and, you know, he'd call me a Jag and a Jag was just another guy. So he called me a Jag and then Wayne would start laughing and then we go to Wayne like, you're not even a Jag. I don't even know what you are yet, but you're not even a Jag yet. So... Yeah, he was, uh, you know, he was different in his approach. I was, you know, I was 
I was thankful for uh, you know for the summers that I spent out there, and he definitely made me a lot stronger. Yeah. Um, the uh, and, and your brother told me that James Kahn uh, used to go out there yeah, too. The yeah, actor. Yeah. Wow. They used to take us out for breakfast yeah. in the morning and yeah. stuff like that's, that. And that's that. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Scott Kahn, his son, I mm -hmm. ran into. I just ran into him at the Beverly Hills Hotel mm -hmm. last season. I was like, wow, that's Scott Kahn. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. Speaking of Wayne Simmons, we were just in Toronto. Does that guy age? Right. Like he is. Like he just gets better with the age. Yeah. And the way he changes his role, mm -hmm. like to to prolong mm -hmm. his career is i mm -hmm. just think it's so impressive no for sure you know if you see the hat i got on right now it's uh it's a half from a stalin's yeah. game and uh you know it was a huge milestone and uh you know he's gonna keep plugging away there you know he's he did it the hard way and you know bled for his team sacrificed his body and all these surgeries and he probably would have got this this milestone probably three four years ago but uh no, nonetheless, he, he still got there, and you know it's 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 the ultimate goal. A um, couple more minutes with Chris. I mm -hmm. appreciate you giving me so much time here. I do have uh, some great questions for mm -hmm. you from uh, from Wild fans. Um, Stewie Sprint, uh, what inspired that? How did it how did it come together? And did you ever almost run? I remember there was one. <laughs> Wild player that you yeah. almost ran over. That the video was unbelievable. I can't remember who I it, think was. it was. Dubnik. I yeah, think it was. I Dubnik. think it was Doobie, and uh, you know he was a starter. And, I, and that was one of my first games here. And you know not to mess with the goalie <laughs> on game day, so he kind of gave me the look. And you know I picked a new time to come down the tunnel. But uh, you know that's something I've been doing my whole career. It started with me and TJ Oshie back when uh, we were in St. Louis. Uh, it was kind of I was the second last one off, and he was the last one off, and he would kind of just chase me all the way back to my stall. And that was kind of like our last sprint, kind of how we got into the games and, you know, really didn't become a thing here until I, mm -hmm. until I came to Minnesota. Then, then it kind of became a thing and kind of got a name. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was, I used to love it. And the videos were great. And um, I used to, I, I got a kick out of Marty and Wes, the two security guys down there. They got to a point where they made sure that it was clear for you, too. Yeah. Um, it was, it was, it was hilarious. Um, let's see. Dr. Do, whose wife, by the way, absolutely loves you, mm -hmm. um, wants to know, um, you know, uh, uh, just the effect that the Hockey Diversity Alliance has had on different community communities, yeah. and do you have any other projects and, and um, efforts in the works right now? No, for sure. I think uh, you know we were kind of the originator of the conversation, and now that you can see the you know all these people having these conversations, and everyone's trying to help and do the right thing now. So it's uh, you know it's it's been great, and for us personally, uh, yes, we have our our pilot program dropping here in September, where uh, you know we're going to be in eight different communities to start in Toronto, where we're gonna have uh, the we're gonna have the equipment drive. We're gonna we're gonna have the vans. We're gonna come. We're gonna pick you up, take you there, give you the ice time, help you with your homework, and bring you home. And this is something that we're gonna start. To, we're trying to start launching in every NHL city. Mm -hmm. But Toronto is gonna be the pilot program, though. Yeah. Um. Mm -hmm. And you guys, are like, uh, you know, you know. By the way, I just I don't know why this popped in my head. I just mm -hmm. got a kick out of the fact when you had the hockey tape a couple month ago, and like Dumba couldn't even get his hands right? on it anymore. <laughs> like it was just like it was just hilarious. like. Are you guys gonna make any more of that? Right. I think no, you I was honestly we we're so overwhelmed with the support that yeah. uh, you know we sold out right away. Yeah. You know, we we couldn't anticipate the hockey world. You know, showing us that much love, and you know, it's 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 been so overwhelming and so great that you know we'll restock coming in soon. Yeah, I know how close you are with Matt Dumba, and, and a lot of people. First of all, before you talk about Dumba, somebody people have said like you know it does seem like really the last couple of years he's found his voice. And I'm not even talking about HD. Mm -hmm. I'm talking in the locker room, being mm -hmm. a leader, the mm -hmm. energy guy of this team. We just saw what this team went through without him in the lineup, how important he is. And, you know, there were some people that wonder if you, how much you might have played a role in helping him find his voice. Or do you think that he's always had this? You knew him better than anybody in that locker room. Oh, for sure. And I think that would be, uh, you know, a question better suited for him. But, you know, he definitely knows, you know, where who I am and where I, where I am in his life. And, 
you know, what we mean to each other. But, you know, I remember, uh, and it's kind of funny how it all comes full circle. I know it's the third time I said it, but, you know, the first time I seen Matt Dumba play, and you'll remember this, this, this was uh, the game, remember when they traded for Dubnik? Yeah, in Remember Buffalo. they were playing in Buffalo, mm-hmm. and the rumors were, if they didn't win that game, that, you know, Yozzi might not have made yep. it home to that trick. Yep. And I remember his first shift. He goes out there, and I think he was, he was that might have been his 18-year-old year. I think he was just testing yep. the market in mm-hmm. eight or nine games. And he goes out there, and he goes toe-to-toe with Nick Delorier. You yeah. know, and this, you know, come full circle now, you know, you look at Nick Delorier. Yeah. You know, Matt, you know, that has no business fighting Nick Delorier. But yeah. that's how much, you know, that told me much about who he was and who he was on the inside to, 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 to really get a read on him and ended up getting traded uh, to Minnesota. And, you know, right away kind of just took him under my wing. You know, I thought he was a guy that uh, – you know, kind of, kind of got a bad rap. You know, especially as these young guys, and you know, they're they're more interested in things like fashion and music, and you know, they might be a little more out there and things like that. But just because you know you don't understand that or something's different, you know, uh, that that doesn't mean they don't care about hockey. So, you know, I think I was kind of one who kind of went on the line and stood up for him, and. I think that kind of made it a lot, get a lot more leeway and a lot more comfortable in that dressing room. I know, I know your kids have a lo- an uncle, a lot of aunts. Uh, how much <laughs> was Matt, uh, Matt big uncle to those? No, so he was, he was yeah. huge. You know, at first uh, he spent every Christmas with us yeah. here. You know, he'd come over to Uncle Dumbs and we'd do presents. And so, yeah, you know, we, we, he, was, he was a big part of the family. Yeah. Huh, um, his courage the last couple of years has also mm-hmm. just struck me. I mean, for him to do what he did in Edmonton, not easy. Mm-hmm. Um for him to get the hate that he does mm-hmm. constantly on his social media, mm-hmm. not easy. Mm-hmm. And yet he doesn't back down from no. it. I mean, he absolutely doesn't, he does not care about the haters. He wants to just continue to mm-hmm. strive forward. Not, not, you know, not just because of who he is, but mm-hmm. because of what, what he believes that the yeah. HDA is going to do for the better mm-hmm. of the sport, helping kids uh, that, that might not have a voice and might mm-hmm. feel a little vulnerable, things like that. No, for sure. And that's, uh, you know, that's uh, one of the most beautiful things about it is, you know, he's he's living his truth and he's walking his truth. He's he's not just talking about it. You know, he's he's coming out of his pocket. He's uh, you know, he's he's donating his time. He's he's doing these clinics on game days while he's hurt, while he's recovery. And, you know, maybe it might not be the best look, but that's how much he cares about it because, you know, he's willing to sacrifice and 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 really put his name out there and you know put his reputation out there for for these kids to to you know be a pillar of the community and you know he's backing it up every day and you know if we had a lot more like Matt Dumba's in this world you know the world would be a better place. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, you know n- not to say something too personal but like mm-hmm. you know he really uh during my little issue a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago or a mm-hmm. month ago he really uh you know pulled me aside mm-hmm. and it meant a ton and mm-hmm. so, same thing with the HDA mm-hmm. so that was really cool. No, for sure. That's yeah. uh you know that's him. He's 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 going to stick up for his friends. Yep, no doubt. Um Wild Boys favorite teammate that you've ever had. A favorite teammate I ever had. Wow, that's uh that's a tough one. I'm going to go with either uh Kyle Brodziak. Ah. Or Nino Niederreiter. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> I love both those guys. Yeah. Um, here, here's a great one. Billy Guerin's burner. Yeah. So I assume it's really not Billy. Uh, wants to know, where did you start playing without socks? Why did that happen? And uh, how much was an issue in the locker rooms? <laughs> no. You know, uh, for a good portion of my career, I played without socks. I think it was just a comfort thing. Everybody knows I run a little hot, so my uh, my... <laughs> My, my socks would get so sweaty that I'd be sliding around in my skates. So, you know, I, I made the uh, the switch to the no socks. And, uh, yes, you know, you got to take care of the trainers at the end of the year with your trainer <laughs> tips because they, they got to bear the brunt of that. And, 
Yeah, you got to. Uh, you definitely got to take care of them. <laughs> we're in Anaheim like three, four years ago. I'm not. I can't remember if you were on the team on there, but um, we're in the we're in the corner interviewing Al Stalock, and there is just the worst smell ever. And I'm looking at Stalock. I'm looking around. He kind of like recognizes that I'm trying to figure out where the smell is coming from, and he just gives me like this little like you know like 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 motioning his head to the right. And I look to the right, and it's Brad Hunt. <laughs> and Brad Hunt didn't wear socks. Yeah. And and it was the same thing. It was it was just unbearable. And I I don't yeah. know. I just always remember yeah. that. So, so put it this way: when I get home after a game, I got to wash my feet again before I can get into bed, <laughs> even even after showering yeah, after your wife. So like, that's the wife's rules. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot of questions what you think of this current wild team mm-hmm. yeah i think uh you know i work for the flyers so i can't say too much <laughs> but uh, i definitely i definitely do uh do watch the wild uh, it's, it's it's great to see their growth with the changes that they have made mm-hmm. it's, it has work uh you know they're in a little bit of a rut right now but there's still tons of time left but you know they, they got some powerful offense and they got some guys that play the right way kaprasov is you know obviously a treat to watch game in game out and you know obviously one of the elite players in the league yeah, a um, couple more. Andrew, best part of living in central Minnesota? Best part of living in central Minnesota is uh, the privacy. You know, I'm on about uh, eight acres up there, so I got nice. some nice privacy out there. But the summertime, too, being on the water, and you know, I'm right in between uh, Grand and Breezy Point Resort and uh, Grand View Lodge, so we got the golf up there, too. So it's, nice. it's a great setup. Very cool. Um, I don't know if you'll tell the story because I don't think you guys did at the time, yeah. but uh, somebody wanted to know the secret behind the goal <laughs> celebration with you and Dumbs. Yeah, I saw that question. Yeah, we could talk about it now. Okay. Um, we called ourselves the uh, the PP2 Bandits, so we're called the Banditos. And the funny thing, if you remember the power play unit before, you know, we'd only get about 25 seconds of power play time. So we had to go up there and make it happen. So that was just a little something that we had where we, you know, we call ourselves the PP2 Bandits. <laughs> that is hilarious. Um, last question. How about this one? Uh, uh, this person wants to know is... Uh, older Stewie uh, as funny as he thinks he is. There you go. Stu I'm going to say he's funnier in person. Is that's, he? A, that's the official report. Yeah. Uh, he was a great guy to cover too. Um, you know, I wish I covered him longer down in, in Florida. And I, I'm glad that I got to cover you um, a couple times here. Um, tell people how if they want to get in, in touch with going to Minnesota hockey yeah. camps, how to do that. Yeah, for sure. You know, our website is uh, mnhockeycamps.com. Also on uh, Facebook is uh, Minnesota Hockey Camps on Facebook. On Instagram, we're mnhockeycamps with an S on Instagram as well. Yeah, you can forward any inquiries. Uh, yeah, right, right to the uh, right to the email address on there, and uh, we'll go from there. Have you gotten a golf game in with Dean Grillo? Uh, no, lately? I'm not. I'm not up there yet. I'm not up there yet. I got to work on my game a little more. <laughs> he is. Uh, I remember. I mean, that's his thing, right? Golf, golf, yeah. golf. It's pretty cool, <laughs> Stewie. This was uh, this was a pleasure. It's always been. It was fun covering you. I mean, you know, you're you're a cartoon character too, which you know, from a beat writer's perspective, is like everything. You know, mm-hmm. co- like. Like when we interviewed you, it was always, it was never cliche. It was mm-hmm. always fun stuff, mm-hmm. great notes, uh, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And then obviously, so much fun to watch you score mm-hmm. shootout goals, mm-hmm. the Stewie Sprint, uh, two stints here in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming on. I oh, appreciate it, Russell. Yep. Thanks for having me on. Yep, yep. And here's a word from one of our sponsors. Well, really happy to be joined by Pierre-Marc Bouchard. Still the single-season wild record for uh, 50 assists in a year. I don't know if you knew that, Pierre. And, uh, uh, I did, but not for long, though, I <laughs> yeah, think. Yeah, really, uh, Zuccarello <laughs> is about to pass you, I think. Yeah. Um, and a couple other guys on this team. But you're still yeah. sixth in games played, 565, third in assists, 241, and fifth in all-time leading point scorer for the wild, 347 points. And, man, you still look like you can get on the ice, Pierre-Marc. <laughs> well, I, missed you last, yeah, I missed you last time we were in Montreal, so 
so it's just great to see you here. Yeah, good to see you too, man. Yeah. Um, so tell me, uh, you've, uh, you know, what made you want to come for the Miko Koiva retirement? Uh, it's got to be a blast. Well, you know, yeah, it's going to be a blast. Uh, first of all, I played the... Uh, you know, a few years with Miko. <laughs> uh, he was a great teammate, was a good friend. So uh, I'm really happy I got the invite to uh, to come and see uh, this pretty important event for him. And also, I haven't been back in Mini since uh, I left, uh, what, 10 years ago? Yeah, or I, I don't remember what year it was, but it's been, you know, mostly 10 years. Yeah, isn't that amazing? And you yeah. were such a long, I mean, you know, it was, uh, so many years in this organization and such a mainstay for this organization. And obviously, you know, your career cut short because of concussions. First of all, how are you doing physically now and all that? Yeah, physically, I'm doing great. Mm -hmm. uh, my head is fine. I think I stopped uh, right on time. Mm -hmm. um, I went to Switzerland for a yeah. couple of years. Had some fun over there, but I uh, was still getting some shots once in a while to the head. And I didn't want to take any more chances. So that's why I stopped flying. Yeah, I mean, especially with your kids and you, know, exactly. you want to be healthy for them in the future. Exactly. You know, I want to have a, a good quality life when I'm... 50 60 or 70 you know i want to make sure i'm there for the kids for my wife so uh it's, it's not like a knee or a sh right. shoulder where you can battle through have some surgery so uh my head is fine uh physically i'm good so uh now uh, i move on from hockey and you said the only time you get on the ice now is just to play around with your kids yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> and it's like just on the pond outside it's not even at the rink you know i got two daughters so they're not really into hockey so they're just <laughs> you know skating so that's the only time I, I put the skates on so i've been in switzerland twice uh had a blast very expensive country yeah big time gorgeous country what yep. was that experience like just playing getting to play over hockey <clears throat> there and and being in that incredible place it was awesome yeah uh, first of all like you said it's it's a great country i was there with the family so mm -hmm. um the lifestyle was really good it's really peaceful and, and quiet and uh, some great people over there and uh, hockey wise um it's different hockey than the mm -hmm. nhl right it's uh, some really good uh, caliber uh it's uh you know, bigger ice sheet, a mm -hmm. little bit more offense. So it was kind of, uh, you know, I was right in my, uh, in, you know, in my element there. Uh, it was it was pretty fun to be there. Plus, you know, it gave me just, because my last year in the NHL with the Islanders, it didn't go too well, right? Mm -hmm. I finished in the minors and I was not really having uh, that much fun playing. So to go mm -hmm. back there and and, uh, and find the, that joy again of, of putting the skates on and playing hockey was kind of felt good. Yeah, and you did. You racked up the points, so that that had to be fun. To yeah, just, yeah. So like yeah, leave, it was fun, leave yeah. almost on a high. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It was kind of a pre-retirement, uh, <laughs> you know, two season over there with with Zug. That's where Walsy played right. actually. So uh, they got was, pictures of him and murals oh, yeah. everywhere. Oh yeah, and they actually won two years ago the uh, EVZ, but. Uh, the f their first championship was with uh, Walsey when he was playing over there. That's really cool. Yep. That's really cool. Um, do you, like, how much do, uh, NHL do you watch still? Do you watch a ton or no? Uh, not much, mm -hmm. to be uh, quite honest. Yeah. I, um, you know, I'm going to watch a period here and there, but, you know, back home, it's only Montreal game. Mm -hmm. And this year, they're not too fun <laughs> yeah, to watch. Yeah. They're not too exciting to yeah. watch. Do you, um, like, the one thing that's pretty obvious since you played is that they have really, they've gotten rid of headshots. I mean, you know, which almost shows that if you crack down on things, you could actually, you know, get that out of the game. And there's a lot more open ice, a lot more ability to go through the middle. And it seems to have, it would have suited your game. Like, do you ever wonder, like, what, how, like, if you played in today's era, how yeah, many? Yeah, I, I do. I I do wonder sometimes yeah. um 
you know, I do wonder if I didn't get those concussion, you know, like I played when I was, yep. you know, I had some pretty good season as like a 21, 22, 23, and then concussion came in and kind of slowed down my, my career. I, you know, for sure, I wonder what it would have been. So to see my full potential and especially now, like you said, headshots are pretty much gone. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to see them once in a while, but the game is so fast. It's yeah. crazy when I watch games and I've been to a few games in Montreal and live it's it's another another level of speed of, of when I was playing. Yeah, and um you know uh, Pierre you were third uh, first round pick in uh, wild history, Amico the the second. Yeah. Um and the, you know the one thing that Kaprizov does a lot that that just always reminds me of you is he will take that puck at the top of the zone and circle around two or three times yeah. and it's it's something to be seen yeah. and the sound that the wild fans make is what I remember them doing oh, when yeah. you would do that. <laughs> um you know well, like like you know when you were doing stuff like that like I mean how much was it all about you know your vision there and trying to create plays and and sort of create that little alley you play for a, a line mate yeah i i don't know i, I to be honest I, I think it just came up naturally mm -hmm. um that's that's how I, i i grew up playing the game and um you know when when i had the puck you you want to create stuff you want to mm -hmm. you want to try to um to make plays and Yeah, I've seen some uh, game of the while, and uh, Kaprizov is uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, it's fun to watch. The real deal, no doubt. Yeah. Is, uh, already it's crazy. Uh, yeah. What 26 games left in the season? He's 10 points from breaking uh, oh, that's the, awesome. uh, Gavrik's yeah. uh, single yeah. season record. For yeah, it was just a matter of time. Yeah, <laughs> ex exactly. Yeah. Uh, Pierre Marc, um, you know, you you were coached by Jacques. Uh, Jacques yeah. loved you. I mean, he, I just, I still hear him in a voice whenever you call you Butch, you know, like, uh, Butchy, Butchy. Um, what was it like to play with him? And what's your, probably your best Jacques Lemaire story? Play for uh, him. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, yeah, Jacques, Jacques was, uh, he, he was great to me uh, with Mario and uh, Rammer. Mm -hmm. You know, those coaches uh, always have a good, uh, good memories of them. Um, it was fun. I mean, he, he wanted me to be the, the best player I, I could become. And he was able to uh, to push uh, to push me to the limit. And um, no, I it's sad I haven't seen him or I haven't talked to yeah. him since. Uh, you know, I would love to see him again. But um, Jacques was uh, he was a pretty special coach for me. Yeah, you uh, just went to uh, lunch with Stefan Veilleux, yep. your best buddy here. Yep. Still remember all those tennis outings that you guys had <laughs> or the ping pong battles. Oh, yeah, battles. ping pong, big time. Uh, um, you know, what was it like seeing him? How often do you see him? Uh, not much, you know, mm -hmm. because I, I'm down in Montreal and now he, yeah, he lives, he lives here, here in, in Minnesota and he works for Velocity and stuff. So I don't, I haven't seen him in a while. So it was kind of nice to, uh, to see him and have lunch. And uh, I'm quite surprised he didn't challenge me to a ping pong game <laughs> or something, but uh, it was good to see him. Who is the better ping pong tennis player? Uh, he is, he <laughs> is. <laughs> I got to give him credit there. Yeah, he, uh, he took it seriously. Like his game oh, yeah, face yeah, that yeah. he had on the ice was what it would be like. Oh, big time, yeah. big time, big time, big time. He, he loves every racket sport, so tennis, ping pong, <laughs> badminton. He's a, he's a tough one to beat. Yeah, and it's nice to see him coaching now. I mean, he's having a heck of a post career here. In yeah, big time. You know, yeah. that's what the, you know that's what he told me. He's, uh, you know, he's he always he always had the passion of the game, and now he's able to uh, to do it with kids and uh, teach them. And he's uh, he's really passionate about his work. Um, what's your best Miko story? Do you have a good one that maybe you? Uh, didn't share in the past uh, but could good today Miko. good Miko story no I mean 
what I remember of Miko on the ice is you don't want to piss him off. You don't yeah. want to get him mad. Yeah. You know, if you one of the other guy on the other team would slash him or crush him, then you you get crazy eyes coming and then the <laughs> full Miko would, would go uh, power mode and be a beast out there and play his best hockey. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He uh he was a special player to watch. There's yeah. no doubt about that. Um let me ask you this. I got a bunch of Twitter questions from uh, wild fans. Uh your favorite teammate? Favorite teammate? Well yeah you have to be uh, with Steph Veyu. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know He'd hurt you if you didn't say him. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he gets it pissed. Yeah. Uh, how about funniest teammate? Uh, funniest. Um, let's go with uh, Brunette and Burns. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just watched, you know, it's crazy. I should send you this video. It was just on Instagram of this video of one of your flights very early in your career and seeing a young Nick Schultz, Pierre-Marc Bouchard, Willie Mitchell, and yeah. all you guys just shooting that Stacy Roast. Sta- uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All you guys shooting the breeze on this flight one day. And it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, I would I like mean, to see that. It's just Andrew Burnett as this like young, but same guy, you oh, know, yeah, same, same voice, same yeah. laugh, you know, oh, everything. Yeah, was, just, that guy yeah. was, yeah. Just a beauty. How about him coaching right now? That's in the awesome. Year that he's having. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, he's he's doing great over there, and I'm not really surprised. Yep. I mean, he's uh, he's really passionate about hockey, and he's uh, he's he was smart on the ice, so I'm sure he's a smart coach yep. as well. Uh, my friend Jake Warner tweeted, uh, "Why 96? Why 96? Uh, I used to wear number 16 uh, growing up, and uh, when I went to Shikunimi, my junior team, uh, 16 was already in the rafters, so I had to pick a new number." So I just decided to go with 96 and add some pretty good season and stick with it. Did you ever have to fight Tony for that number? You know, Tony, he likes <laughs> only like low numbers. Like you were until Kaprizov, you were the only high number like in yeah, wild history. I, I think I got lucky that uh, I remember that story. I asked Tony when about my number because during training camp, I had number 46. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they announced me that I was making the team. I was staying as 18 years old, and he's like, one number? I said, I would like 96. And he looked at me and he's like, mm, uh, I'll see, I'll talk with Jacques. And then he came back a few minutes later. He said, okay, you got the green light. Because Jacques <laughs> said, 96, you look bigger on the ice with some big numbers. So I think I got lucky too. To That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, here's a good question. So next year, shockingly, 20th anniversary of the 2002-03 season. That crazy? Oh, yeah. I mean, Already, um, eh? wow. yeah. And Elon asked, um, you know, you were a rookie that year. Yep. You know, what, were, what, were, what was that like? And what was, like, what did you learn that helped you maybe throughout your career? Oh, that was, that was crazy. Yeah. That, the, that season. Uh, the playoffs especially uh that was pretty special you know I'd, i played a few games during the playoff but most of them i was uh watching from the press box um just the 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 hard work and the dedication from all the players that were there and you know we didn't have that many you know like superstar maybe beside the uh, gabby mm-hmm. you know that but everybody came together and uh, to be able to uh you know eliminate Colorado with the Sackicks and Forsbergs and Oa and Vancouver. That was that was pretty uh, impressive. That's, yeah. I will always remember that uh, playoff run. Yeah. Well, that uh, was my longest anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you got to, you know, I'm, I'm sure that you still from, you know, I'm sure you have a soft spot for this fan base here. I bet yeah. you just hope that this is the year or that they are going to eventually get to oh, celebrate. Oh, big time, yeah. big time. You know, it's, uh, it's I mean, it's my, you know, it's my first time coming back mm-hmm. after ten years, and it, it, it just feel like my second home again. So, yeah. 
Definitely, I, I'm cheering for the Wild this year, and then hopefully they, they can make a long run. Um, a couple more Twitter questions. Yep. Uh, one, uh, what team did you, or player did you hate playing against? Uh, what team? Uh, what team? Uh, I guess back then, remember Calgary? Calgary. That's Miko said the same thing when I did a podcast yeah. with him last week. Yeah, Calgary was... Yeah. Uh, they had your number. Yeah, uh, yeah. big time. Yeah, big and time. they were big defensemen, yeah, mean. They were, yeah, they were big and mean. Yeah. Uh, remember that one game? <laughs> Regeer... Yeah. Yep, Regeer, yeah, Brett Warner, Sarich. Yep, Corey Sarich. Yep. So, Nick Schultz's cousin. Yeah, yep, exactly. Yeah, yep, I covered his uh, brother in Florida. He was a yeah. draft pick there, Rod. Yeah. Um, yeah. Remember that one game that Veyu got into it with Nuff? That was. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that was big time. <laughs> I remember one game though against Calgary. It was in Calgary, and we dressed uh, Boogie, Chris Simon, yep. and Todd Federock. Yep, that oh, same eight. game. Yep. Oh wait. oh wait, yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. Those games were tough. So Calgary was, uh, yeah, it was tough. Uh, what was your? Uh, what team did you love to play against? Well, <laughs> I'm gonna say Edmonton. Yeah, Edmonton yeah. was my team. You know, yeah, for you, some reason. Yeah, you just roasted them, and you guys. That was converse of, of Calgary. You guys used yeah. to win there constantly. Remember exactly. Backstrom at one point was like 14 and 0 at home. I know. Edmonton. I know. We yeah. for some reason we couldn't lose against them. Yeah. I remember one game here at the XL. We were down. 5-2 with 10 to go and we won in overtime yep. yeah so yeah Edmonton it was uh yeah. it was a fun place to play and fun team to play yep. against a uh, favorite arena that you played in not XL Energy Center not XL well every time I went back to Montreal, Montreal. Yeah, yeah it's every you know especially a Saturday yeah. night in Montreal yep. there's nothing yeah uh, you know, you know what I always found that. it funny because you know like you know obviously the guys that were French Canadians would get just pounded by the by the press there yeah. before remember Jacques started canceling all the morning skates to just oh yeah so he yeah, would Jacques, not have to face the media yeah Jacques didn't like yeah. <laughs> I don't think Jacques liked going back to Montreal no he did not it was hilarious in and out that's the it. media there would get so ticked off like that yeah, you oh, guys didn't time. have morning skates there it was crazy big time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny um we, man we're uh 14 minutes into the podcast, I haven't asked you about the Spinorama yet. Everybody no, wants to know, like, when did you start that? What was the inspiration? Uh, Spinner, inspiration was my brother, actually. Uh -huh. My Francis. younger brother, Francois. Uh -huh. And um, that one summer, we were practicing um, on the ice. And he's like, hey, big bro, I got a move for you. And then he went on against the goalie, and he made it perfectly. I was like, yeah, this, this could work. Yeah. He said, yeah, you should try it. I said, all right. And then I you know practicing it practicing it and Jacques gave me the green light to to try it so yeah it, that's where it came very from. dennis ford like yeah, uh, yeah exactly what's your brother do now francois uh francois is done uh, playing mm -hmm. he you know he played overseas yep. for pretty much what 10 years yeah. or so so now he's back home and uh working in some uh, real estate and stuff right. like that and yep. it, so is that your you do that now too, yeah right? i do that too real estate yeah. uh you know Try to take care of the family. I got some young daughters, right. and you know it's kind of nice to be uh, present and be there for them. Yeah. And real estate on the side. Yep, I bet your daughters are just like the life. Uh, you know, like I, I could just see you as that, <laughs> like being a, a, a you know yeah, a girl yeah. dad. Oh yeah, big time, yeah. big time. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, it's uh, they're pretty <laughs> precious for me. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, couple more, a uh, couple good questions that I would have never, if I didn't ask this, I would never have remembered the Alex Burroughs beefs that you used oh, to have. Yeah. Holy moly. You yeah. guys would go to toe to toe. Was there, yeah. first of all, was there anything in the background that started all no, that? None at all. Yeah. Not at all. I mean, his first few season with Vancouver, he, you know, he was not on the top line playing with the Sedin. He was on the four trying to make a name for himself. So yeah. he was, uh, 
you know, <laughs> I was going to say something like a disturber. A yeah. Disturber. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it was trying to come after me. Yeah. All the time. So, yeah, I do remember, especially this one here at the XL. Yeah, When he crazy. came after me and then Burnsy came in. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it was nothing. Uh, be outside of hockey, nothing. But on the ice, he, you know. Yeah. He came after the the little guy for some reason. Yeah. And it was weird. St Steph Veilloux would challenge him every every game yeah. and he wouldn't go against Steph. So Yeah, yeah those Vancouver Minnesota games when he would go after you, it would start like I mean, yeah. you know how respected you were in that locker room. It would just drive yeah. you guys crazy. I yeah, mean yeah, big time. Uh, I yeah. remember a couple of those battles, you <laughs> yeah. know. And it's probably what he was doing. He probably oh, knew yeah, how for sure. you know, he, oh, yeah, he, he that, knew that's he was what gonna, he was doing. Yep. Exactly. No doubt. Um Whose game did you emulate as a kid? Somebody asked. Ah, good question. Um, I mean, I was, uh, I mean, if they know him, I mean, Daniel Briere, mm -hmm. Daniel, Danny Briere, you know, he was smaller guys and the guy was pretty good offensively making plays and was able to, to shoot the puck too. So I was just talking to him the other night. Yeah. We were in Philly. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's worse for the Flyers now. Yeah, what does he do now? Yeah, he's like I don't, you know, he's basically like almost an advisor to to Chuck Fletcher. Okay, they brought yeah. him in there, and you know, he a lot of people think he's going to be a GM at some point. I okay, think he was interested nice. in the Montreal job, but then, yeah, you well, know, he's pretty smart guy, yeah. so I'm sure he's going to. Yeah, I saw him. Uh, his son plays for a college hockey team that I saw actually play. I can't now; it, it escapes me. Might have been Maine or somebody. Uh, I saw him play. Uh, no, it was a smaller school at, at Mariucci this year. Okay, and then um, I used to see Daniel Vieira come in here. Yeah. And scout is you know and go to some of those oh, NHL things. Nice. He's a great guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. really good guy. Yeah, absolutely yeah. good guy. Chuck's uh, gonna be here tonight, right? Yeah, Chuck's yeah, gonna yeah. be here tonight, oh, nice. and that's yeah. What is it gonna I'm be Doug, like? You're yeah. gonna see Rise tonight. Yeah. You're gonna see Chuck tonight. Doug, You're gonna yeah. see uh, some. I don't want to say actually this podcast is gonna come out tomorrow, but you probably yep. know a lot of the guys are gonna be here. Yeah, uh, Backstrom and all that. Yep. So I'm not breaking any secrets. No, um, no, no. Sean Hill. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Carney. No, yeah, it's gonna be fun to see all those guys. It's been so many years. So that's good. And you and you have not like the Islanders never played here. Your your last year. Here, right? uh they played but, but you were hurt yeah you were no, down the minors. i was not in the minors yeah. exactly so what will that be like walking in there you know miko always talks about it's got the same smell yeah. um you know like, i just can't wait to be honest i can't okay. wait to go to the xl and, and watch a game and see some familiar faces so yeah yeah that's one thing i was disappointed when i was with the islanders yeah. i have a chance to come back here and, and play one game or something yeah that would have been incredible yeah to that see you in fun. that uniform yeah. yeah um just a couple more for you yeah, boogie sure. and um bouchard commercial somebody wanted to ask <laughs> you about first of all was that based off real life you guys were roommates right uh no we were not okay you're not no, no, we so were the, not. so was it, it was, like uh, remind people what the commercial was and how fun was it to film with boogie yeah it was pretty fun to film i mean uh well the setup was you know i was coming back on uh, in our in our room on the road right right so i was coming back and i couldn't find a place to sleep in, in the room there was a bunch of fans and boogie was in his bed <laughs> And he was just uh, was there laying down and telling me to be quiet. So <laughs> and nowhere to sleep. So I end up in the in the, in the bathroom. Bathtub, yeah. yeah, the bathtub exactly. <laughs> it was a great commercial. Oh, yeah, I was, was looking funny. for it on YouTube and I couldn't yeah? find no. it. Yeah, I couldn't find it. it must really? be out there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it is. But uh, uh, I remember Burns and him were roommates for yeah, a long they time. Were. And they man, were. the I wrote about once Burns complaining about um, about uh, his snoring. 
Yeah. And the next day he got a shipment of Breathe Right from that guy, Mike Lindell. I think Mike Lindell, uh, who's from here, owns Breathe Right. And yeah. he read this article in the Star Tribune, sent a box of these Breathe Right nasal strips to Burns <laughs> double the snoring. And he, yeah. he, he said it worked. He said it worked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it really worked, but no. it, it did. Um, he was a special guy, right? Burns. Ah, uh, Boogie. Yeah, Boogie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. he's, uh, he was a great guy. Yeah. You know, totally miss him. He's, um, Especially the kind of work, kind of job he did for us yeah. on the ice, you know, especially for me, you know, the smaller guy on the ice. And he was always there to uh, to protect me and my back. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, great, great guy, great teammate, and uh, nothing bad to say uh, about Boogie. Yeah. Uh, last question for you up here, Marco. You know, you know Miko uh, really well. What do you think his reaction is going to be tonight? Do you think he's going to be able to keep it together? And uh, Yeah, I was actually thinking about that on my way uh, back here from lunch. And uh, uh, I, don't, I don't, I think he's going to let himself go, you know, like yeah. I think he's going to be uh, maybe more, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know how to say that, but uh, a little bit. Uh, He's gonna be pretty open about it. Yeah, and he's gonna. I'm sure some feelings uh, will come out. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad to see you back here because you know the the Wild were having their 20th anniversary season when the pandemic hit and they couldn't have fans here. And I know last year they had a lot of plans to bring back. Uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, have an ode to their history to the yeah. very important people that really built this organization, especially on those early year teams. And you were such a huge, huge part of it. And it's just a shame that the pandemic stopped them from yeah. honoring people like you and bringing them back. So just to, you know, see you go into that arena tonight, I think it's just to be really cool. Pierre yeah. Mark. Yeah. Well, yeah. thanks. Thanks for having me. Mike. Yeah. Good to see you too. Yep. Great to see you. That's Pierre Mark Bouchard. And here's yeah. a word from one of our sponsors. Well, my thanks to Chris Stewart and Pierre Mark Bouchard for joining straight from the source this week. Always fun to catch up with familiar faces, two great guys and great players from wild lore. Uh, so hopefully everybody enjoyed the podcast, a huge week for the Minnesota wild at hand, Trent Frederick uh, and the Boston Bruins come to town on Wednesday night. We'll see if the wild uh, respond from that, uh, that hit that he had um, against Kirill Kaprizov in early January. If you remember that game, that was Matt Boldy's NHL debut. He scored the game winning goal in that game. And uh, that really set the wild from, uh, a five-game uh, losing streak into a 10-game point streak, uh, 3-2 victory that night in Boston, and it was clear sailing until the All-Star break, where things have just taken an absolute turn for worse since. They lost 8 of 10, then uh, had a little 2-0-1 point streak, and then last night, as you know, uh, lost uh, to the National Predators. So we'll see if they can get back on uh, track here against the Boston Bruins. Chicago Blackhawks come to town on Saturday, and then the Vegas Golden Knights are in town uh, next Monday. Um, and then we'll have, an obviously, another podcast next Monday. Matt Duchesne of the National Predators, who played quite well last night. He joins Craig Custance and Sean Gentile uh, Tuesday on the Athletic Hockey Show. Thanks for listening to Straight from the Source. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform, and don't forget to leave a rating and review. And right now, get an annual subscription to The Athletic for just $1 a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash straight from the source. Straight from the source returns next week. Talk to you later, everybody. Mm-hmm.